Welcome to Peer Talk, a dialogue with business owners just like you. Peer Talk conversations run the gamut of business challenges facing owners today. The host of Peer Talk is Dan Crowley, founder and owner of Peer Executive Groups, which provides a safe space for owners to share their experience, grow their businesses, and learn from their peers. Okay, welcome to Peer Talk. There are a number of great business owners out there, just like yourself, who would love to share their experiences with you, and we hope to give them a voice. Today's episode is sponsored by PeerTech, the industry's first real-time, quarterly, and affordable financial benchmarking tool, real-time industry data with actionable insights. Contact PeerTech today at peertechappapp.com. Welcome, everyone. We have an exciting episode for you today. We are going to be focused on acquiring a second location, and we have two young rising stars from the American Rail Association uh, Young Professional Network veterans, Andrew Hesacker from Arvada Rental and Ian Goff from Goff's Tents. Andrew's company, Arvada, started in 1964 in Arvada, Colorado. And Andrew graduated from University of Northern Colorado in 2007. He worked at Neff's, not the family business, until 2013 when uh, he came over to the family business. And in 2017, he took the reins, became more of the leader. 2019 was when he expanded with his second location. Ian from Goff's Tents, Goff's Tents been around since 1985. Um, went to St. Catherine College after high school, uh, ended up joining the team in 2004, um, transitioned into leadership from 2008-2010 timeframe, and made his second acquisition, or his first acquisition, second location in 2020, this, during the uh, coronavirus, so it'll be interesting to hear about that. So welcome you both to the show. Um, I want to welcome everyone to Peer Talk. Today's topic is about acquiring a second business or location and bringing that into your operation. We have a couple uh, great guests today. One is Andrew Hesacker from Arvada Rentals. He works in general tool and construction equipment. Um, Andrew's background is, um, you know, working in Arvada. Arvada uh, has been around since 1964. Um, he went to school at University of Northern Colorado until 2007, came into the business, well actually didn't come into the business, actually worked at NEFS until 2013, um, took over operations in 2017, and in spring of last year, 2019, is when he acquired his first second business, or his first additional business. Um, our other guest is Ian Goff. And Ian um, got involved in the business back in, or I should say the business launched back in 1985. Ian got involved in 2004 and really started to take more of a leadership role and took the reins of the company in the uh, time frame of about 2008 to 2010. And Goff's acquired its first second location in, or additional location in 2020 in the time of COVID. So that'll be very interesting. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Ian and Andrew, thank you. Um, I want to start with um, Andrew. Why don't you, you know, follow up on my comments there about your background. Tell me about, you know, how you got to this place where you're now operating this company and you decide you need to expand. Yeah, it's kind of a, an interesting uh, story. 
uh, definitely non-traditional compared to most second generation uh, rental operators. I never, never worked for dad in the past, um, you know, through school or anything like that. He always, you know, I had a job since I was uh, 14, but it was never, never with, never with dad. He didn't want to subject me to being the boss's son. So, um, and it, and it also afforded me much experience outside of, um, you know, it, it broadened my perspective very greatly. So, you know, I got through college and right as the economy was kind of starting to, to go down into the recession there in 2008. And, uh, I really would have taken any job that was offered to me. Um, but fortunately, uh, Neff Rental was at a career fair because there was another, uh, Northern Colorado alumni there. And so they offered me the position and that's how I got my start in the business. And then in 2013, my dad and I were having a conversation and, uh, you know, it kind of just morphed into a possibility for me to get out and do something else other than Neff, whether it's go to another rental company or potentially, uh, step into leadership with Arvada Rentals, which that's what ultimately ended up happening. Gotcha. Wow, very interesting. And then um, take us take us a step further on that. You get into the company you pretty rapidly. Started to look at uh, expansion. Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. I actually, you know, my my eyes were a bit bigger than my stomach in probably the years of 2014 and 15, and you know, we, we made a lot of changes and it was, it was pretty rough. There was a lot of tenure at our veteran rentals and there, and there still continues to do. We really didn't lose anybody through kind of the transition of change other than to retirement, of course. Um, but yeah, I just, I had, uh, a lot of ambition and a lot of goals coming into it, but there was, there was a very solid foundation at our veteran rentals with, you know, the tenure and everything. And, and, uh, a little bit of resistance to change. Um, but I just hung in there and, uh, we had a, you know, some good, good years in 15 and 16 and learned some lessons along the way. And, uh, my dad had two business partners actually that he bought out in 2015. So that really kind of paved the way for, for me and him to do, you know, just kind of take our vision and, and start going forward with that. And then, uh, as luck would have it, not, not a plug, for peer executive groups, but in 2017, that's when I knew I needed to kind of, again, broaden my horizons and get some more uh, perspective from outside people. So, so that's what really helped me turn up the volume in 2017 and 18 and then into 19. But uh, yeah, we were, we were looking to expand definitely starting in 2018, a couple of opportunities actually fell through in that time period before we found the right fit for the, the second location. Gotcha. Okay. Well, before we get into how that fit looks, uh, let's move over to Ian. Ian, you um, are a party and event rental operator, and obviously your business has been around for a while, a couple, couple decades. You get involved in it. Tell us a little bit about your background, how you got involved in the business, how you grew into your role, and, uh, and, and again, why you seem to move pretty quickly into expansion. So I was always around the company my entire life. Um, towards later in high school, I left and thought I would pursue an exciting career in the used tire business. So I did that for a few years and then went off to college and uh, 
when I came back, I was still working in the tire industry and dad called me one day and asked me, the guy who was the GM at the time was leaving and he asked me if I knew anybody that would be interested. And I was like, yeah, me. So I, I kind of came back in and uh, started in more of that office administration position and, uh, you know, just learning the ins and outs of daily and how everything ran and stuff. Um, and then that just kind of parlayed as we move forward to me taking more of an active role. Uh, and I think I'm, I'm really lucky because a lot of second generations I talked to, I mean, their parents really um, are still maybe overbearing and over-involved. And, and my dad was the complete opposite. You know, he was always uh, not afraid to let me fail and was there to, to show me what I did wrong when I was doing it. And that really helped me get my footing as far as how to go about doing things and learn in, in a rapid fire way. And, uh, you know, Lexington, Kentucky is not a huge market. So expansion's always been something that we've, we've looked at in different avenues. Uh, we've looked at the product lines and I think we kind of settled in on the fact that the growth through acquisition was probably going to be one of the best routes for us to go given our market. Okay. And so what's interesting is, you know, people come to that decision on acquiring another business in a couple different ways. They, they either, it's an opportunity that just pops up in front of them or they plan on it. I would actually say for you, Ian, it seemed like you planned on expansion, but just didn't know who the target was going to be yet. It was kind of like you had always had this in your head. And then as the opportunity started to present itself, because you and I had discussed other options with regard to expansion correct so um so talk remember, a little yeah go ahead all right if you remember we actually talked about this particular acquisition maybe two years before it ever happened uh, it, it was oh, wow. a, a business that was particularly interesting uh, the Purden rental brand has been established for 46 years uh, they're a staple in the community uh, sam Purden that was running it was third generation it's just, just a really well-known brand around here. And it was a company that's always been enticing because their product line was different than what we were offering and the, uh, the customer base was different. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was a really nice compliment to what we were doing at golf tents and events. And it just seems to be a really happy marriage for what, for the companies both, uh, but for the customers as well, it just opens up a lot of different product offerings to both segments. Excellent. So it's complementary business that was acquired. So that gives us a little insight into the impact that that target had on on your business model. That's very cool. Um, and again, lines up with your business plan. So in, in your case, Andrew, you uh, saw this as a it's a, it was it was it an opportunity where the individual was looking to sell and they came to you or was it something planned where you're always knew you were going to expand. And so you kind of reached out or how did that go down? It's, it's a little bit more the latter of what you just explained there. Uh, we had been actively seeking out growth opportunities. Uh, we, you know, we had two other opportunities that did not work out. Um, and then at one point I kind of was running through the Rolodex of people and rental locations in my in my head and I, I came across this particular opportunity and 
honestly, I just threw the, the gentleman a phone call and explained it to him. And interestingly enough, as luck would have it, he had just um, instituted a broker to try to sell his business. So it was, it was just kind of unique timing and really uh, a very unique opportunity that I, you know, we were looking to expand and he just, that very minute was like, I need to get out, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it, how it came up. So did you, um, when you looked over his business and we're going to get into your acquisition story in a minute, but was it, did you see that it was a compliment from a asset class standpoint or was it something where location wise geographically it was a good fit to kind of clap, you know, uh, chase after a new market? It was, it was definitely the geography, um, mm-hmm. that was, that made it that much more enticing. Uh, the asset classes, we, it, you know, it took, we had to make some changes and whatnot. They, they had probably, I don't know what the percentage was, but 50 or 60% of it was uh, party and event. So we knew, you know, we knew we had to make some, some changes to kind of get everything in sync with our vision and what we were doing at the time. Gotcha. Okay. And to, and to give our listeners an opportunity to kind of understand uh, the size of acquisition or, or what you guys were chasing after a year from now, 2021 and end of the year, what is the impact? Uh, your acquisition happened, uh, Andrew, in 2019. What, what percentage of your total revenue do you, you know, I know that some assets might've been moved around, but how do you see that impacting it? Is it, 20% of your total, 30% of your total? Doing some quick math in my head, I would say, yeah, it's about 20, 25% of our revenue is from the second location. Wow. That's uh, great. At the end of 2021, ho- hoping to move that, tick that up to 30, 30 or so percent would be ideal. Wow. That's great. And, and then also for, for you, Ian, um, you know, what's, a year out, what, what those assets, that particular category of assets, which is different than a lot from what you currently had in place. What do you, where do you see that going? What percentage of your total revenue? I think between the revenue that the second location will bring in and then the assets themselves and being able to offer those, uh, mm-hmm. your current mix rough numbers. I think we're looking between 30 and 35%. Just wow. in the small okay. sample size that we've seen since the acquisition, um, mm-hmm. you know, how both customer bases are willing to embrace the additional offerings. Mm-hmm. They could have, given COVID releases us to some larger events again, uh, we were able to get back to a little more of a normal situation, especially in the, in the party event world. I think it's going to be a pretty significant number. Okay. Wow. Tremendous. So, two, so two things I want to uh, look at. Um, one is first off, I'd like to hear your acquisition story in detail. How you found this business that wanted to sell? Um, how you ended up, you know, actively identifying a value and you know structured a deal, made it happen, that kind of thing. What what that might look like. You don't have to give very specific numbers, but certainly like you know, are you, 
did a as a key person kept on and you're paying a note or is the owner staying on that kind of thing and then the second piece we'll talk about um if there were any employees that came over with the deal and, and what that means to your company so why don't we start with andrew why don't you talk us through your acquisition story a little bit yeah absolutely so there was including the owner five employees and all four of the non-owning employees stayed on and three of those four are remain with us today the one the one was a younger high school age kid that ended up going to college so it's not as if he you know, left, left us or whatever out in the cold. Uh, the, the other three employees, fortunately they have a lot of tenure. The counter person, he's been here for, I think about 30 years. And then there's a mechanic that's been here for 35 years. I hope I didn't mess those numbers up. And then the other yard slash mechanic gentleman has been here for about 15 years. So, um, you know, as anybody that's acquired any company knows, it's it's a challenge to have this abrupt change, you know, of the way things were for so very long. Uh, but fortunately, we were able to kind of come in and, and you know, be on, be on their level and, and let them know that they were an important asset through the years and that we were very, very highly interested in keeping them on to go into the future. So that really worked out well. You know, the owner, he uh, he was an interesting guy. He had been owner here for 40-some years, and uh, we made some awful large changes through the, through the you know, 2019. And it was interesting because I think his mindset was a little less along the lines of, you know, throwing things away, so to speak, try, you know, trying to be um, – not not negative by any means, but we he really didn't throw things away too much to be honest. And uh so we we kinda came in and very quickly, you know, established what, what needed to be kept and so on and so forth. And as luck would have it, he kinda kept you know, and he, he still comes in once or once a week or so and and as he's relaxed into retirement he says, you know, it's it's been enjoyable for him to see you know, his baby kind of go into the future, uh, albeit pretty much totally different. Yeah. So I think that, I think that answered the question. How did you, uh, so from the acquisition story standpoint also, um, how, what did that look like? How did you guys arrive at an agreement on price? Um, he had kind of, he had a dollar amount in his head and uh, we had received, you know, financials and kind of, I've had enough experience with those to, to kind of know, where it needed to be. And, and we ended up getting an asset list and essentially going asset by asset. We, we, our leadership team at the time came down here on a Sunday in basically the middle of winter because it had closed in March. So it probably was December or January. And I remember it being very cold, but we basically went and touched every asset that we had identified on the asset list that we wanted to look at. And we kind of went from there as like a, a real world value Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, and, and that's fortunately, that's, that's the number he kind of had in his head. Now that, that could have gone awry on us, but in this situation, fortunately it worked out. 
No, that's good. That's uh, very important to understand how you went about acquiring it because, um, you know, we talk a lot in the peer groups and with the different members about, you know, how you determine your value valuation. Lots of times it's based on EBITDA or cash flow, a multiple of, of cash flow. And the idea would be that you would acquire the business and make improvements to it. So therefore you'd, uh, you know, be able to get your payback at a quicker pace than what you paid the owner out at for them to exit. So, yeah. um, and, and did your owner stay on in the, in the form of any payroll or anything like that? Or Nope. No, he just he comes by not. and he, he, he likes to come by yeah. and see the place. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. And Ian, going over to you, you, um, how did this happen for you? It was an opportunity versus a, um, a plan. Did you approach them? Did they approach you? And how did you guys determine what price to do and all that? You know, ours was, was really kind of odd. Uh, we had been, been working with the owners on, with the Burton, at Burton Rental for several years doing stuff. We were doing a lot of their big tent. Uh, they were handling a lot of the smaller pieces for us, and they were also doing all of the laundering, our linen and stuff. So just the two families worked together on on jobs and, and had for a long time. Uh, it was Monday or Tuesday, and I was taking a load of linen over there to have it cleaned and pressed. And I got there, and, and Sam was there, and his father, Paul, who were the two principal owners. And Paul's been retired for probably five, six years, something like that. And uh, he goes, hey, if you got a minute, I want to talk to you. I said, sure. And he just asked me outright. He said, you know, we think that it's time for us to get out. And would you be interested in buying it? And I said, yeah. I said, I, I would certainly be interested. I said, do you have a number in mind? And he shot me a number right there. And I said, you know, I, it's a realistic number. And I asked him for an uh, asset list and some financials and, and some other documentation. We got it. And, of course, you know, Dan, we worked together on on the valuation of the business and uh, you know he had a real practical number in mind especially given the times um, and then as we worked through it there were some deposits he'd taken and some uh, some refunds that he handed out and we worked that number down to a, a number that was I, I think it was a really good number for us and it was a fair number for them mm -hmm. and you know we did a certain percentage of it down and then we actually did a finance with them um, where we gave them a little bit, maybe another point or so on the interest where they had come down on the price and worked that out. So it, it's, you know, it was very amicable on both ends of the deal. Um, and we certainly want to keep a good relationship with, with them because, you know, they're still have customers that they've worked with for 50 years that they're sending our way and kind of back and forth with all that. So it's, it's been a positive experience. Um, mm. And lucky that it just kind of, you know, walked in the store one day and there it was. That's excellent. So down money and some seller financing. So Andrew, what, how did you guys do yours? We, uh, we also did the real estate at the same time. So okay. basically, yeah, we, we refinanced the other real estate for the original location and basically got enough money out of that to put the down payment on the real estate and make the acquisition in full. So mm -hmm. it was okay. nice to be able to keep it lean and not incur too much debt because of that. Gotcha. Okay. 
And then, um, Ian, we didn't get out of you yet. Did you did you pick up any employees in that transaction, or just buy the assets? We did. Um, so because this happened during COVID, um, obviously there was the, the family of owners. There was three of them. They all left. There was a sale, a lady who had been in sales for about 20, 25 years, and she retired. Mm -hmm. And they had pretty much let most of their install staff go because of COVID. But we were actually able to retain the staff from the linen and dish department, which was a crucial piece for us because that was one of the most enticing things that they had that we didn't hear. So having staff that was already familiar with the product, the process, and the equipment, really made it a seamless transition on that end. Gotcha. Okay. And then, you know, you've only been in there for a few months. Um, had any surprises, any anything where you like all of a sudden you're rolling up your sleeves on certain aspect of it that you didn't think about or? Oh, every day. This is right. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. I, I, I've done everything from reorganize the warehouse to the, the move out of the main warehouse, we, we just kept the showroom linen and dish area. So we've been part of that. There's a redesign of the showroom. There's been, you know, going back and, and picking up loads of dishes in, in the truck because you're, you know, running lean these times. So it's, it's always a surprise of what the day is going to look like. But uh, you know, that's that's why we're in this business. Gotcha. Well, but responding well, that's good. And so in the same question for you, Andrew, you, you've had the place for a little, you know, a year and a half now. Um, what's life been like? Have you um, had some things surprises? I mean, I personally was surprised when you started posting the, the pictures of the, of the yard before and after and, and, you know, kudos to you on that one. Um, but any, anything like that? You know, nothing, I wouldn't say, negative uh there was surprises pretty much at every corner you know there was things that i didn't even realize were rental items that kind of came out of the party and event side of things like i guess brass was a big deal um at some point so there was candelabras and uh there was kneelers and stuff so mm -hmm. being an equipment you know a general tool and construction person and and uh company we were we were a little shocked by that i guess you could say uh, we were also shocked that the new, you know, the three or the four employees were, they were actually very excited to help and to kind of bring this to the state that it's in currently in terms of, you know, getting rid of things and reorganizing things. And really we kind of attribute that to everybody, kind of, you know, if you can find stuff easily, it makes your life easier, you know, as, as a rental person, whether you're a mechanic or a, a counter person or whatever. And, but, but to get and to stay organized is sometimes a challenge. Mm. So, but our leadership team is very good at that. So that's essentially what we did. And, and that was, it was very, in a, in a great way, surprising that, you know, basically the buy-in from the existing employees that it was like, they, they were having fun half the time, you know, just, man, it looks, you know, they'll say things like, it looks better or it looks great or I really like this or now I can find that or whatever. So that was a, that was a good surprise. Excellent. And did both of you, I know, um, Ian, it doesn't look like you rebranded Purden as Goffs, correct? No. You're leaving Purden as the name? Yeah, we're going to keep the name. Uh, we okay. feel 
it's been established for almost 50 years and it's got a great customer base and we, we reached out to you know their, their largest customers and we kind of discussed with them and, and we feel like it's the right thing to do to keep that name um, and not not rebrand so it you know and I think their customers felt that way too they, they feel like they've had a relationship with that company with that family for a long time and in the golf family we've been in the rental industry for almost 40 years too so they're they're aware of us it's just where it's a different product mix uh, there's a reason that they were going going to burden so we want to keep that reason there for them gotcha and and in your case andrew uh the, it did get rebranded yes yeah we we rebranded to our battle rentals we we had curated fairly carefully our our colors and our logo and our our brand imaging and and we the other thing that we do that perhaps you know a party and event company may not is our equipment gets shared between locations. We're about a 20 to 30 minute drive between the stores, mm-hmm. uh, you know, depending on traffic. So we share equipment all the time. So it would have been really difficult for us to have those existing assets branded as one company. And then all of a sudden it would be half Chatfield time rental stuff you know, half of it would be in Arvada and half of Arvada stuff would be down and down at this location. And so we, we thought it was important to have one solid, um, brand and we kept the name Arvada. So Arvada is the town that we're based out of. And I always ring back to a conversation I had with, uh, Kurt Barney at one point or, or one of his people, I can't, I can't remember it was years ago, but they are Vandalia rental at Vandalia, Ohio, and they had a similar one, their second location, you know, they were nervous. Hey, are we, is it going to be weird that we're Vandalia, even though we're in, you know, whatever other town it is mm-hmm. and the customers didn't, didn't care at all. And and we've seen that same thing. It, it honestly is a little bit of an icebreaker for people to say, well, this is in Arvada, you know, so it's, it's kind of been a little uh, kitschy with, with that regard. So, I think it was the right move. I know it was the right move. Okay. And then, and then one other thing regarding um, uh, the actual acquisition. So uh, any advice for our listeners when it comes to your, how to use your accountant or your lawyer in, in the acquisition, did either of you use those resources? And I know in, in Ian's case, he hasn't really been through this first tax season, but um, you know, obviously there's a bit of complication on, uh, the acquisition from a tax standpoint. Uh, Andrew, why don't you go first and talk about the support that you had? Yeah, absolutely. I had, uh, you know, a, an attorney and a CPA that we were, you know, on the phone quite often, you know, from the word go to upon completion and, and beyond, actually. Mm-hmm. But we tried to keep it very, very simple and you know, having those documents, the, the simpler, the better, I guess, you know, yeah. where it's in our sense, you know, and, and there's obviously differences between an asset purchase and I'm blanking on the other, other option equity. Typically when you're required equity, equity. yeah, an equity, purchase. an equity purchase, um, you know, as a buyer that benefited us, but, you know, being able to have, you know, 
specific frequent conversations with your CPA and your attorney, that, that was huge for the whole process. It, it just made things very simple and it smoothed things out a lot. Gotcha. How about uh, your experience, Ian? What was that like? So we obviously worked with our CPA uh, quite a bit through the process, just trying to get everything set up and streamlined and make sure that we don't wind, in, wind up with accounting nightmare as we come out of our first year. Um, mm -hmm. Lawyers, we didn't really have to use a lawyer on the acquisition part of it. We had done stuff with from time to time. Um, so, you know, they, he did review the contract when it came over, but outside of that, it's been pretty clean and simple. So we've been lucky in that aspect. Okay, excellent. So uh, we appreciate you guys and your time today. What Last thoughts. Tell us about your future. What does that look like? Do you Did you have a positive experience with the acquisition? Do you see more expansion in your future? Why don't uh, Ian, you take that first. You know, it's been a great experience so far uh, and in a crazy year. So it, it certainly kept it interesting. Um, as far as beyond this, I think it's still too early to tell you know, how it's all going to work out. You know, ne never say never because there's always uh, an opportunity out there. So we'll always keep our eyes open. Gotcha. Okay. How about you, Andrew? Yeah, the the experience was was amazing. Uh, we, you know, our entire leadership team, we we very much so learned a lot. We we identified along the way many different things that we absolutely know we would do differently going into the future, which is to be understood. But uh, as far as the future, absolutely, we're you know we're we have some things that are that are on our radar as far as expansion, and we're excited to. Uh, you know, jump back in head first and, and apply some of those things that we learned the hard way. Cause that's generally human nature, <laughs> I guess, is to learn things the hard way. So, yeah. There you go. Well, you're both young men. So we're looking forward to big things in your futures. Uh, uh, I believe Andrew, you're running for region. Um, what region are you? Uh, region. Region seven. Seven. Got it. Okay. Yep. Well, we, you know, we appreciate your, your time today, everyone. That was Andrew Hesacker from Arvada Rentals and Ian Goff from Goff Tents. We'll be picking up next week with yet another edition of Peer Talk podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. We want to thank today's sponsor, PeerTech, the industry's first real-time quarterly and affordable financial benchmarking tool. Real-time industry data with actionable insights. Contact PeerTech today at peertechappapp.com. You've been listening to Peer Talk from Peer Executive Groups, produced and directed by Noah Crowley and hosted by Dan Crowley. Subscribe to this podcast for notifications of future episodes of Peer Talk.